0: in this series, the gospel of Mark, um, the way of Jesus, right? Looking at Jesus and, and, and saying like, what, how does this apply to our lives? How do we connect all these dots? What can we learn? How can we grow? And, uh, we're in Mark chapter four, uh, the last chunk, Marty talked about the parables last week. Today, we're going to talk about the calming of the storm, some takeaways and what we can learn from the calming of the storm. And it's funny, the more I study the more I realize there's probably 50 different things we could probably talk about. Uh, But we're going to just focus on just a few thoughts that stand out to me. Because really, when I read scripture, what I like to do, this is just me. I like to take a step and just read and see what is this what's standing out to me? What can I glean from it? How can I apply? How can I learn? How can we communicate? How can we allow this to knit us and and challenge us and provoke us and motivate us, inspire us, convict us? Hmm, Excuse me. And uh, I think we found, uh, I think we found that lane today. So let me pray. And then I'm going to read the verse and then we'll dive right in. Okay. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for Redeemed Church. Thank you for Lakewood. Thank you for uh, Cold Perk School District. Thank you for friends. Thank you for other churches in this community that say yes to you, Jesus. And they say yes to being the light of the world. Thank you that we get to be uh, in the heart of the city with a heart for the city, Lord. Thank you that we get to Uh, build your house, not build a building, Lord. Thank you that we get to build and we get to establish your heart in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I love it. I'm so excited to be here this morning. I'm pumped to be this morning. And y'all made it. It's Daylight Savings. I'm not going to lie. I did not realize Daylight Savings until like uh, late afternoon, early evening yesterday. And I was kind of (laughs) like, like for real. For real, I'm going to lose an hour of sleep, but i got to get up here and act like, yay. You know, I thought I was going to have to fake it, but I'm not faking it. I actually do have uh, uh, the energy and all that sort of stuff, but that hour of sleep I lost, it was like just waving at me like, ha, ha, you know what I mean? It's like I'm out, and I am all about like, just abolishing daylight savings. Just, just leave it right here. Lock it in. Lock it in. We sprung forward in Jesus' name. We ain't never going backward, right? We can turn that into a sermon. No retreat. The Lord doesn't tell you to give up. Uh, Yeah, unanimous vote. Mark chapter 435 on that day when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. I I I love the I love when the Bible gets like I I say this when I'm teaching folks like about reading the Bible and stuff. I said like when there's words that pop up and the Bible gets specific and paints the picture. And, and makes it real beautiful, and really gets vivid with it. But it's just something about it. Go to the other side, and leaving the crowd, they took him. Or, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, uh, uh, just as he was. So the disciples and Jesus went in the boats as they were. We're gonna circle back around to that in a second. And other boats were with him, so they're in the boat, leaving the crowd, going across the Sea of Galilee, and there were other boats there. We started in in Mark chapter 4 when Marty talked about the parables. Jesus uh, got into a boat, got into a boat, pushed out from the shore and began to teach. This is the continuation of that. The other boats were with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he, Jesus, was at the stem asleep on on a cushion and they woke him up and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Who is this that even the wind and the and the seas obey him. I want to give us three takeaways that we can learn from Mark chapter four, the calming of the storm. I want to give us three takeaways today, and then uh, we're going to wrap it up in the end, a, kind of a, a fun way I've never done before, really unique. I always love coming up with new ways where how can we how can we let this cement all that the Lord mixed up in a sermon? How can we let that cement set in our lives, and what can we learn from and grow? But the first takeaway. Why Jesus allowed the disciples to go through the storm is number one, I think, I believe. The storm came to prepare the disciples for what was next. Let's reverse. Let's go back. Marty's sermon last week, the parables, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like. Prior to that, let's go to chapter 4, verse 1. It says, again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered and followed him. Anywhere Jesus goes, he's a trending topic. I've said that before. He's the most popular guy in the room. Everyone's trying to get at him. Social media game was strong back then. I'm talking, he had all the followers. He had all the ice bucket challenges. He had all of that going. So Jesus got into the boat, pushed out from the shore. It's believed or it's thought, you know, reason why, at least maybe part of the reason why he did that, because his words would reverberate and echo across the water. Let all these crowds hear him. But I also think there was another reason. I'm going to dive into that in a second. I think there's multiple reasons. I think what you see here is Jesus, the son of God, being fully aware of time and space and circumstance and situation. Gets in the boat, pushes out from the shore and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land and he began teaching them many things and parables and he taught them. And then when he's done teaching them about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's like this. You should know this. He who has ears, let him hear. I'm, I'm giving this to you because I want you to dive in. I want you to be a part of this. At the end of that, he pushes out and he says, hey, we got to go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And a storm hits. A storm hits. And the disciples get challenged in their faith, challenged in their belief, challenged in their trust of Jesus. And then when we get to the other side in Mark chapter five, after Jesus calms the storm. Here's what it says in Mark chapter five, verse one. They came to the other side of the sea to the country. I can never say this word. I'm going to say the, 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 the G hood. I don't know. I have listened. I have. OK, Mark chapter five. Just side note, just, you know, like I'm not a, I'm not a rookie on this thing. All right. Mark chapter five is probably my favorite chapter of the Bible to preach out of. Hands down. Uh, If you want to see me get filled with the Holy Ghost up here with my best Pentecostal preacher mode, just give me Mark chapter five and get out of my way. All right. right, I told the team I'm not touching Mark five because that is my that is my favorite chapter of the Bible to preach out of because it is like it is like Holy Ghost. Uh, I'm talking. We've got demons. We got demons get thrown into pigs. We have a woman getting miraculously healed. We've got a 12 year old girl who's dead. You've got I mean, I could preach that. I complete that blindfolded hands behind my back. If you want to know my points to that sermon, here's my time I preach it. Jesus meets a bunch of people, are powerless, okay? He empowered them, okay? What's the, what's the other two points? I got to remember, oh, it, just, it lost me. Powerless, empowered them, uh, uh, power surge, and he was their power aid. I did that in the wrong order, but those are the four points of the sermon. Preach, i preach it so many times. There's a bunch of youth camps I've gone to, i preach preached that. A bunch of crazy things. So Mark chapter five, amazing chapter, amazing book of the Bible. But then when you see how you, It sinks in a little bit more when you realize what happened right before Mark chapter 5. They get to the g That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm calling it. Check my Greek. <laughs> and Jesus stepped out of the boat and immediately met him and his disciples. There was a man with an unclean spirit, a demonic, possessed man. Do you recognize this, that Jesus goes from teaching and preaching and educating. The crowds and the masses are following him. He retreats with his disciples. He makes sure they understand what's going on. They go across the boat. And immediately after seeing uh, uh, these amazing teachings and, and God and Jesus do some amazing things, a storm hits that freaks the disciples out. And Jesus challenges their faith. And right when they get across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, they're met with another trial and another test that demands a level of faith they didn't have before they got in that boat. So many times in Mark's gospel, who uses language like moved from. Matter of fact, we see it here. They went across the lake. They went to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd. Mark uses a lot of imagery about going through because Mark's a man of action. Those of you who are like me, when your favorite movie series, favorite movie franchise of all time is Lethal Weapon, all right, I'm being real with that. You're an action movie person. You know the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, inside, inside, backwards, front, and all that. If, if stuff blows up, you're smiling in your face. You know John Wick 4 comes out and you're like sitting there like a kid in the candy store and you're like, this is so much fun, right? Well, if you're that type of person like me, you would love the gospel of Mark because it's a go, go, go. Jesus, a man of action. Jesus teaching and loving and being compassionate, but Jesus also confronting things immediately, going through, coming out of, moving from, extending and reaching, Mark is all about that. And I don't think it's a coincidence. It's after teaching and leaving the crowd and even some of the crowd following them, Jesus goes across the lake with his disciples. They're met with something that stretches their faith. And immediately when they got out of the boat, they're dealt with another crisis that demands a higher level of faith than they had before they got in that boat. I think part of the reason for the storm is Jesus is preparing the disciples for something. 41 times in the, in the gospel of Mark, the word immediately is used. Because he's preparing you for something. He knows that where you're at right now is good for right now, but it's not enough to sustain you for where you're going to be. He knows he's moving you from glory to glory. He knows he's moving you from point A to point B. And the victory that you got in point A is amazing, but you're going to need a new Victory, a new experience, a new understanding, a closer intimate relationship with him to go from B to C that you did from A to B. I think the reason for the storm, the storm came to prepare the disciples and ostensibly prepare us. For what we're going through. Jesus is preparing you for what's next. Even when you look at the life of Christ. It's fascinating. Uh, if you read all the commentaries and the stuff, uh, there's tension. There's a lot of tension in the next few chapters of the Bible. So it's not just one demon-possessed man. It's, it's, a, it's a woman with an issue of blood. It's a, a, a daughter who passes away. It's, it's people who, who, who need these, these miracles. They need God. They need Jesus to show up in a real way. And Jesus is preparing the disciples for what's next. He's preparing them even for his eventual time on the cross. What's the Lord preparing you for? What storms are you going through right now that require a level of faith that you don't have? But you know, if you can trust the Lord and draw near to him, he's preparing you for something else. Second thing I see. And this, quite frankly, really is the, 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 the most fundamental Component of this whole thing is the storm came to show Jesus's divinity. It's just another proof, another piece of the puzzle, more proof in the pudding. Jesus is like, I am who I said I am. All right. I am it. I am all that. It it, it echoes what's said in Psalms 107. They cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm to be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. I can only imagine these little Jewish boys who've been riding with Jesus and then he does what he does and they they remember back when they were in Sunday school learning and Psalm 107 pops in their head. (gasps) This is him. He's that dude. That's him. He's the one. I think even before you see his divinity fully fleshed out or fully flexed out, right? It's a flex. I think you actually see his humanity. Where do we see Jesus in this conversation? Where do we see Jesus in this narrative? He's sleeping. His head is on the cushion. His head is on the cushion. That's asleep. I don't think he's faking it here. I don't think he's like, "Uh, I got one eye open. Let me see what they do. I think Jesus is really asleep. I think he just got done speaking and teaching, pouring out. They say that a 30 minute sermon, uh, the amount of uh, brain power, spirit, energy, all the stuff you put out is like working an eight hour day. That's what the, the, the studies say. I don't know how long Jesus was preaching for, but I'm sure he was going for more than 30 minutes. He's taking a nap. He's like, yo, I'm chilling. He's had, has had his leg in the cushion, pushed out on the boat. Other boats are following. He's smart. He's the son of God. He knows what's up. He knows the storm is coming, but he's still sleeping. Why? Because he knows he can, one word, one, one wave of the hand, one thought. The same God who spoke the world into existence. You recognize that even when, when the Bible says that Jesus speaks to the wind and the wave, Or he says hush it's just echoing back to Genesis echoing back to creation but before that we see the humanity of Jesus the Gospels do a lot to tell us about the divinity of Jesus we see that we're aware of that but do we do you not also realize how many great things we know about the humanity of Jesus he wept, he cried, he was grieved, he was filled with compassion, he got hungry. Man, we talked about uh, having a food ministry and a hospitality ministry. Man, Jesus is the ultimate foodie. The Bible says he kicked his feet up in people's houses. You, you realize the Pharisees and Sadducees thought he was a glutton? That's how down Jesus got, okay? That's how down Jesus got. These people thought he was out here sipping and wilding. And he's like, nah, bro. I just love people. These are my people. When you go over to House of Sinners, yeah, I kick my feet up with them. I'm teaching them and training them, I'm loving them. My sister was a dancer. Shout out to Lakes High School. She was on the dance team, right? And they used to go to Old Country Buffet, RIP, all right? (laughs) All you who know about either Lakewood or you know about Old Country Buffet, you know, if you know, you know. And they had their group of dancers, they called themselves the Grub Club, like all these little girls who just pack away the food. And like I just the, about a couple weeks ago, my sister and I were talking, and I brought this up to her, she forgot all about it. She goes, That's right, the Grub Club. All these little dancer and cheerleader girls from Lakes High School just packing away food at Old Country Buffet. Just like, dang, well, I hate all of you. <laughs> I'm not gonna get into that, but just metabolism. That's all you need to know. <laughs> we see the humanity of Jesus. He loved life, he loved people, he loved his father. Mark chapter 6-3, we even find out he had a job. He was a carpenter. He worked. He's a normal, a normal. let me put that in quotation, Mark's guy. But he's also the son of God, the divine, our great high priest. We see Jesus' humanity, that he took a nap, but we also see his divinity, that he speaks and creation obeys. Here's what to understand. Jesus is both the model of faith and the object of our faith. He's the model because he is our great high priest. Hebrews talks about this. He has been afflicted. He has been tempted in every way we've been tempted, but did not succumb. He knows what it's like to come from a broken home. He knows what it's like to have the world shooting arrows at you and throwing darts at you. He knows what it's like to be canceled. He knows what it's like to have whatever you want to fill in the gap on. I know, I know it's going to be a little controversial, but there's that He Gets Us campaign. And regardless of what you think about it, I think the one beautiful part of it is, I think it's a reminder for us as believers, we serve a God who is intimately aware and intimately understands what we go through. He's been there. He's done that. He wrote the book, literally and figuratively, right? But He's also the divine. He's the model of our faith, but he's the object of our faith. He's the one we put trust in. He's the one we go to. I think it's amazing that the disciples say these words. He says, who is this guy that even the winds and the waves obey him? Disciples saw him do amazing things, but still didn't fully get it. Still didn't fully get it. And they were still in on this moment. Third observation. It's a simple sermon today. I'll let you know that right now. We're going to end in a fun way, I think. Third observation, observation number one, the storm came because Jesus was preparing the disciples for what's next. Observation number two, the storm came to Jesus to show off his divinity and really his humanity, but show off his divinity, his power over all things. And, storm, and, and number three, the storm came as a reminder to trust, a reminder to trust Jesus. Do you recognize that in this conversation, in this narrative, Jesus hanging out with his disciples and it hit me. He got fishermen in the boat with him. He got a bunch of dudes been there, done that as well. He got fishermen, at least four of them, and probably all of them have been on boats before doing that thing. Throwing the nets out, casting the reel. You know, you know, I don't know, I don't fish, so just I'm doing this just to like whatever. I went fishing with Pastor Dave once, man. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I'm just watching you, bro. At least four of these guys in this boat were, were fishermen. And so this is what it makes me think. How bad was this storm? Yeah. Dang. Like we talking like some hurricane, tsunami type of stuff here. How bad was a storm? The guys who this is their profession can't handle it. So two things come to my mind. This storm must have been so bad, number one, either they forgot how to do their job or were so bad they couldn't do their job. Have you ever been in a storm like that where literally you were going through so much hell you couldn't add one plus one? You were going through so much in your life you actually got downgraded in your ability to keep up. You actually were in deficit. You've been through storms like that where you couldn't even think straight. Where you were confused, where your skill set would tell you, I know everything to do, but there's so much fear, it short-circuited your skill set. There's so much fear. Your skill set is now null and void. Here's what it's a reminder of. Your skill set, your expertise can't save you. Your expertise can't save you. Your skill set can't save you. I don't care how good of a blank you are. Fill in the blank to whatever those things are. Fireman or fisherman. Insurance agent or financial planner. Educator or, 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 or instructor. I don't care how good you are at, 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 a, at building a building or remodeling a building. I don't care how good you are at, at being a, an amazing police officer or amazing soldier. Your skill set can't save you. When a storm hits. I mean, there might be some little dust-ups here and there, right? Where you are skilled to a point where you can handle that. But eventually in your life, you're going to hit a storm that your skill set is not equipped to fix. You will hit up against your limit. No matter how skilled you are in your field of expertise, your faith cannot be built on your expertise. Your trust can't be built on your expertise. What happens is fear comes in, it short circuits expertise, it short circuits skill sets, and it short circuits our faith. That's what happened with the storm. Fears disrupted everything. But can I tell you something? That's okay. That's the picture you see in Jesus. It's okay. Jesus isn't worried. The crazy, think about that for a second. It's such a bad storm. The guys who are experts in this field can't handle it. And Jesus is asleep. He's asleep. So in other words, he's okay. He's fully aware of what's going on here. But us, in our expertise, we're fidgeting, we're twisting, we're moving, we're grooving, we're, we're, we we got to abacus out, we're trying to calculate the distance of the sun and the moon and the stars, we're trying to test the wind, we're putting up the sails, we're doing all the things, and Jesus is fast asleep, because it's okay, in your storm, it's okay. It's a reminder Thus, us as believers, we're not immune from the storms of life. We don't get a pass. These are the 12 closest friends. These are the people who, who, who rocked with him. These are the people who, like, even people who were following in the boat, who just heard him preach and teach, who were following with him. I, I can only imagine what those people were going through. The boats that followed. If the disciples who were the closest to him are freaking out, what are these other people doing? And Jesus is asleep. Psalms, Psalms 119 says this, it's good for me that I was afflicted, that, my, I, that I might learn your statutes. When I first read this, I actually thought, and and this is, I'm not trying to change the Bible here. I'm not changing the Bible. But when I first read this, I thought it said lean on your statutes. I really did. And and listen, I'm not trying to change the Bible here, but I, I I think I can be evangelistically, all right? I can stretch this to apply and have the same meaning. It was okay that I went through it because I could lean on your words. It was okay that I went through it because I could lean on what you did. I know the suffering has short-circuited and disrupted. I know the fear and the storm has has caused suffering to disrupt everything. But I can trust you. Disciples, I I think they really did know they could trust Jesus. They'd seen him. They'd seen him heal. They'd seen him do some amazing things. But the storm got so heavy, it short-circuited their faith. They wanted to trust Jesus, but the fear of the circumstance got in the way. The disciples prayed or said to Jesus, and I said prayed because it's, it's kind of is a prayer. If you think about it. They woke him up and they said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? How many times have you prayed that prayer? You're going through it. Right. You're like, God, don't you see what I'm going through right now? This isn't fair. And we're just in anguish and and he's not asleep, meaning he doesn't care. He's he's at rest and at peace because he knows the plan he's not disconnected because he he's unaware and he doesn't care and he's distant he's at rest and he's relaxing because he's fully aware he's fully locked in he's fully engaged because what he knows what's coming next and he knows where he's been so he wants you to feel the same way teacher don't you care that we're perishing and he woke up and he rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Why are you so afraid? Like it's kind of weird of Jesus, right? He says, why are you so afraid? There was a real storm. But Jesus is like, I'm bigger. Storm, me. Me, storm. I'm chilling because I already know we we got this. We're covered. Um, We're going to wind it down here and uh, um, a lot of you know my wife Kendra and uh, if you don't my wife Kendra she's a preschool teacher and um, uh, I was talking to her on Thursday I said hey I, I have my, my message outlined and ready to go but I think I need like one more thing and like I'm kind of like and then she's like hey I actually just read uh, the children's storybook Bible of, out of this um, same passage so this is, this is what I have here the Jesus storybook Bible if you don't have this Bible, get this Bible. You ain't got kids. You don't have little kids. It doesn't matter. Get this Bible and get you some. OK, because this is this is a good Bible. This is a good Bible. It paints a beautiful picture of not just what happened, not just what happened in, in the scripture, but also like it gives words to, I think, a lot of the realities they're probably playing into things it paints a really good picture I, I, I I'm not always the most visual person but visuals help and there's pictures in this I lost my spot exactly where the um, the uh, calming the storm is because my bookmark fell out but there's pictures and it's written in such a lovely way and I I pulled out the scriptures that are about Jesus calming the storm and and and, and they take Matthew and Mark's account and they kind of because each of them have some little nuggets they touch on and they merge them together. But here's what the Jesus storybook Bible, the kids Bible titles a section. Uh, I know it's all one big thing, but go to the uh, the first part of the children's storybook Bible uh, for me. Boom! before you read it, it just says captain of the storm. And This is what it says. Let me read this for us. The sun was going down. The air was warm and still. Let us go across the lake, Jesus said to his friends. Jesus has been helping people all day, and now he was tired. So he left the crowds at the shore and set out in a small fishing boat. Jesus climbed into the boat to take a nap. As soon as his head touched the pillow, he fell fast asleep. It was a beautiful evening. A gentle breeze rustled the sails. The friends were chatting happily as they headed out into the middle of the lake. Everything was perfect. Just right, just right for a nice, quiet sail. They were only about halfway across when out of nowhere, whirling winds swept across the lake. Fierce and strong like a hurricane, a blinding flash of lightning lit up the sky. Thunder roared right overhead the storm blew the water in, into towering waves that hurled the little boat up, 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 and then sent it hurtling, crashing back down, down, down. The fishing boat was blown and buffeted and tossed and turned back and forth, up and down, left and right, round and round. In the middle of the storm, Jesus was sleeping. Now Jesus' friends had been fishermen all their lives, But all their years fishing on this lake, they had never once seen a storm like this one. No matter how hard they struggled, with all the ropes and sails, they couldn't control the boat. The storm was too big for them. But the storm wasn't too big for Jesus. Help, they screamed. Wake up, quick, Jesus, wake up. Jesus opened his eyes. Rescue us, save us, they shrieked. Don't you care? Of course Jesus cared. And this was the very reason he had come. To rescue them. To save them. Jesus stood up, spoke to the storm. Hush. That's all. And the strangest thing happened. The wind and the waves recognized Jesus' voice. They had heard it before, of course. It was the same voice that made them in the very beginning, they listened to Jesus, and they did what he said. Immediately, the wind stopped. The water calmed down. It glittered in this innocently in the moonlight and lapped quietly against the side of the boat as if nothing had happened. The little boat bobbed gently up and down. There was a deep stillness and a great quiet all around. And then Jesus... T- turned to his wind-torn friends. Why were you scared, he asked. Did you forget who I am? Did you believe your fears instead of me? Jesus' friends were quiet, as quiet as the wind and the waves, and into their hearts came a different kind of storm. What kind of man is this, they asked themselves anxiously. Even the winds and the waves obey him. They said this because they didn't understand they didn't realize yet that Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus' friends had been so afraid that they'd only seen the big waves. They had forgotten that if Jesus was with them, then they had nothing to be afraid of, no matter how small their boat or how big their storm. <laughs> Yo, that's called heat, all right? That's called. Whew. The only way you can be prepared to go on the other side is so you know his voice. The winds and the waves knew his voice. The disciples had to learn what his voice sounded like so they could be prepared to go on the other side. If you know his voice, then you know his humanity and his divinity. There's a verse, I blanked that, came to me literally right when we started walking up. Um, but the Lord confides in those that fear him. He tells his secrets to his friends. When you know his voice, you know his secrets, you know the intimate God, the intimate Jesus. And knowing his voice is a matter of trust. The more you trust, the more you know, the more you know, the more you trust. The winds and the waves knew his voice. It's on the disciples. They had to learn too. It's on us. We got to learn his voice. It changes everything. It really does. Can I pray for us? Can we stand to our feet and pray? I'll have the worship team come back up. And as they get settled, we're gonna pray. Man, I told you, you need to get a Jesus Storybook Bible. Just go hit up Amazon, go to Dightman's right now, do what you got to do, okay? They know his voice. They know his voice. They know his voice. Question for us, do we? Question for me, I'm not saying this just because I'm up here speaking, like I have, I know it. Through all the hustle and bustle, through all the noise of life, can you distinguish his voice from the distractions? Can you distinguish his voice from the fear and the storms? Can you distinguish his voice from the confusion and frustration? Can you distinguish his voice from the fear and from failure? Father God, we come to you right now, Lord. Help us to know your voice, to draw near to you. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. amen. Amen. Amen.